I love free stuff. Like I'm, I'm all about perks, benefits. Uh, you buy something and you get extra stuff that comes with it. Um, I remember when we first got our, our Amex credit card, uh, I got it really for two main reasons. Number one was fraud prevention and then, uh, and then the reward system. Like uh, those two things were enough for us to go, yeah, this is a good investment for us. And so uh, we want to do that. And those benefits were all I needed. But then after I got the card, I started to learn about some of the other benefits of having an American Express card, like the one that, that we have. Uh, one of them is they will pay for you to get TSA pre-check. Anybody traveling here? Anyone know do the TSA pre-check? If you haven't, it literally will change your life. Um, so when I show up at the airport, I don't take my shoes off. Uh, I don't take my laptop out of my bag. I don't take my coat off. Like I, all of the cattle kind of go one way and then a select chosen few of us. Like at TSA, I'm like, I'm reminded that God loves all of us, but sometimes I think he loves me a little bit more than everybody else. And so I go through with just a handful of people and full disclosure, uh, it's only recent that Jen got uh, TSA pre-check. Uh, this is confession time. When we go to the airport together, she goes with the cattle and I go through uh, TSA. Some of you are judging me and I'm a horrible person. Uh, but let me say this, when she gets through, um, she always has a Starbucks waiting for her. So, well, Bennett, we'll just do this right away. We've been having problems with this mic. Uh, but another thing about it is you get access to airport lounges. Like, if you've ever been in the Delta Sky Club, uh, if you haven't, again, it would literally change your life. And so uh, these are benefits that you get by having the Amex card that you don't know about. Like, you, you find out about them after the fact. And, and for me, if you're anything like me, the best kind of perks are the ones you find out later. Like, what I had at the beginning was enough for me to say I want to get this, but then now I find out after the fact that I have even more. Like, there's all of these, and there's a ton of other, other benefits that you could talk about, but Amex isn't paying me anything, so I'm not going to give any more of their, uh, any more of their perks. But, uh, but when we, we receive things, we get additional things that come with it, right? And what we've learned in the book of Romans is all of the things that we get with the gospel, that it's more than just eternity. It's more than just our eternal destiny being settled. It's more than just us being separated from God. There are all of these things that, that, we've, that we've learned about as we've walked through this book, all of the, the things that are filling up those first 11 chapters. And then now as we've moved in to chapter 12, it becomes the more practical side. So the first 11 chapters is belief, and then the last five chapters is in light of what you believe, this is how that reshapes the way, the way you live your life. And so Paul is going to talk about in Romans 12 some things that we have as a result of the gospel that I think the majority of us in here know very little about, if anything. And he mentions it at the beginning of Romans chapter 1. He mentions it briefly in passing when he says in Romans 1 verse 11, he says, For I long to visit so I can bring you some spiritual gift that will help you grow strong in the Lord. When we get together, I want to encourage you in your faith, but I also want to be encouraged by yours. So he tells them, I want to bring some spiritual gift to you, something that, that isn't tangible or visible, and I want to encourage you. But then he also says, I don't want to just encourage you. I want, you, I want to be encouraged by your faith, by, by what you have, by whatever gift it is that the, the Spirit has given you. And so Paul is going to talk this morning in this passage about something that we refer to in the church world as spiritual gifts. Now, uh, a couple of things. I know that there are probably varying degrees of knowledge and information about it. Like it's a, it's a very, uh, it's a hotly debated topic. Like some of you grew up in churches where 
literally all they talked about was gifts, but it was uh, gifts, what we call the sign gifts, like speaking in tongues and healing and, uh, and miraculous signs. And then some of us, if you're like me, we grew up in a church where it was talked about in theory, but it was also, it was often talked about in terms of like only weird people do that. Like people who are into spiritual gifts are like snake handling. And so I want to set you at ease. We're not, there'll be no snake handling this morning. Like you don't have to worry about that. Um, but but like, depending on what your background is, like you maybe have run in one of those two extremes, right? But I think the majority of us, we just don't know anything about it. It may be something that we've heard occasionally, but we've never really, we never, we've never really looked at it. And so I want to give you some things that I would call like 30,000 foot view about spiritual gifts. And then we're going to dive into the passage and uh, dig into it a little bit more. But a couple of things about spiritual gifts to know. Uh, number one is Every follower of Jesus, the scripture teaches, everyone who's a follower of Jesus has been given a gift by the Spirit to be used to build others up and thereby bring honor and glory to God. So in other words, the gift that God has given you, the gift the Spirit has has given me, is to help build other people up. It's not just about me. It's how I'm using what I've been given and how I'm stewarding what I've been given to be a benefit in the lives of others. They're not inward-focused they're outward focused, which is a shift for us because most of us, the things that we're good at, the, the, the talents or the skills that we have in life, we all view them through the lens of how can I use this gift to make my life better? How can I advance my own cause? And what the gospel teaches when it comes to these giftings is these are not about me advancing my own cause. This is about me building other people up. And so what we're taught in scripture is uh, that we've as followers of Jesus, we've all been given one. So every follower of Jesus has at least one. First Peter uh, 4, 10, and 11 talks about that. Many of us have more, uh, but no one has none. Uh, and no one, also no one has all of them. It's not like the infinity stones. Get all the infinity stones and have infinite like spiritual gift power. Uh, so nobody has, nobody has all of them. But we've been given gifts for the purpose of building each other up. And so when you keep that perspective, when you keep that as your focus, it will reshape the way you look at it. It's not about you simply consuming something for yourself or me consuming something for myself. It's about us using this to make everybody else's life better around us. So with that in mind, we're gonna read the whole passage and then we'll go back through verse by verse and talk about it. Uh, Romans chapter 12, verse three. So remember last week we talked about moving into the practical side, living as a, a, being a living sacrifice, letting God change the way you live by changing the way you think. And then now he says in verse three, because of the privilege and authority God has given me, I give each of you this warning. Don't think you are better than you really are. Be honest in your valuation of yourselves, measuring yourselves by the faith God has given us. Just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. In his grace, God has given us different gifts for, certain, for doing certain things well, So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. If your gift is serving others, serve them well. If you are a teacher, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. If it is giving, give generously. If God has given you a leadership ability, take that responsibility seriously. And if you have the gift of showing kindness to others, do it gladly. So he starts in verse three as as he's gonna walk us through some of these gifts and and how we're to, to live them out. He starts in verse three, by giving us the right perspective. He says, be, be honest, think accurately about yourself. And, and, and to be honest with you, we need help here. Like without the gospel, I'm gonna either 
overvalue or I'm gonna undervalue myself. And so what has the gospel taught us in the first 11 chapters of Romans? As we, as we look back at that, just think back, what's it taught us? Well, it's taught us, number one, uh, it's taught us that without Christ, we are nothing and we can do nothing of eternal value. Like that, that, that's a humbling statement, but that's a humbling truth that, that we studied. In and of myself, I have nothing and I am nothing of eternal value. Remember back in school when we would, in gym class, we'd like schoolyard pick them and, you know, you'd got all the, all the kids there and everyone's picking and they're picking the most athletic kids first and then it's getting further and further down the line and, and we're, we're just thinking, man, I just hope I'm not the last one picked. Like we're not, we're apart from Christ, we're not the last kid that's picked. We're that day that somebody brought their little brother and the other team is like, you can just have him. Like we're not even gonna pick him. You guys can just, you guys can just have the little brother. We'd rather you have him than be on our team. He's gonna slow us down. That's who we are without Christ. We're not even the last kid picked. We're lower than the last kid that was picked in gym apart from Christ. And the gospel reveals that, it exposes that, it, and it humbles us. But there's another side of that coin that I think is important too because the gospel also teaches us to not think too poorly of ourselves. That without Christ, we're nothing, but in Christ, we have and we are everything. And through him, we can impact eternity. So with Christ, I have everything that I need. In Christ, I am everything. And when I yield my life to him, anything is possible with him with him controlling me, with me yielding and surrendering control of all of my life to him. And the reality for most of us is we tend, it's like a pendulum. We tend to let that thing run in extremes. There's some days we wake up and we think, man, God is lucky to have me. Like I'm, I'm such a gift to, to God and I know, I'm sure everybody at Generation is thinking about me today and how awesome I am. Like we, we have moments where we feel that way about ourselves. That's, that's pride, an elevated view of yourself. But then we also, the pendulum swings the other way sometimes. We've made poor decisions. We've treated, poor, we've treated others poorly. We think, man, like I'm just a worthless, useless piece of garbage. And what the gospel teaches us is to not let that pendulum swing from one extreme to the other, but to find balance and keep perspective. That without Christ, we are nothing. But in Christ, we have everything and we are capable of everything. So he says, be honest in your evaluation of yourself. Before we talk about giftings, be honest about, about who you are. He says, measuring yourself by the faith God has given us. Now, that almost sounds like measure yourself against the level of faith, that, how much faith you have. That, like God's given us each different amounts of faith, and so we measure ourselves against that. But the word that he uses for, for measuring is a word in Greek that, I, that means meter. So like think yardstick. Like a yardstick is a set uh, distance. Like you can go to a football field, there's 100 yards on a football field. There's not, there's not, you know, okay, three feet for this yard and then two and a half feet for this yard and then five feet for this one. It is three feet, three feet, three feet, three feet, all the way down the football field. So what he's saying is the measure of faith that we've been given is the gospel. Like that, that, that we measure ourselves against the faith God has given us, against the, against the gospel. And it's in the gospel that we are profoundly equal in God's eyes. And keeping our eyes on the gospel will keep us from thinking too highly of ourselves or too low of ourselves. And then in verse four, he says, just as our bodies have many parts and each part has a special function, so it is with Christ's body. We are many parts of one body and we all belong to each other. Uh, depending on your church background, maybe you've been in a, a service where you've heard them, the church referred to as the body of Christ. Like there, there are these moments I have where I put myself in the perspective of someone who's never been in a church setting before. And I just think like that would sound really weird. 
like that sounds almost like cult, like we are the, we are the body of Christ. Or, you know, we talk about like the, the blood of Jesus, like it's this wonderful thing and we cry about it. And you've never been a part of the conversation. You're like, why are they so emotional about somebody's blood? And so, uh, and so getting some perspective, Paul says, this is what Jesus established. Maybe you've heard us refer to the church as the voice, hands, and feet of Jesus. That's because what scripture is, has taught us, the analogy that, that Jesus put forward is that we are a body. That, that we, are like, we are like a body. We're like your body. Like you think about the, the way we, we function as a body. There are certain parts that, that we view as more valuable. There are certain parts of our body that we view as expendable, like the pinky toe. Like I'm, it's one of those things. I'm, why do we even have one? It doesn't really seem to serve a purpose. And you don't really think about it until in the middle of the night, like that thing finds an end table or something like that. And then all of a sudden, the pinky toe matters, right? And so there are all these things where it doesn't matter how you see yourself in the picture. It doesn't matter how you see yourself in the body. We are the local expression of the body of Christ. And every person here matters. In the gospel, we are profoundly equal. There may be some of us that do things that are more visible than others, but every one of us is just as valuable. Every one of us matters. Every one of us has a part to play. It's like a football team. You take a good football team, everybody knows their role and everybody does their part. And when they do that, they, they have great success. And so Paul says this image of, of a body, that, that we function as a body, that, that, we, that we need each other. So that means for us, our faith, while it is personal, yes, it's not individualistic. Because every part of the body matters and every part of the, of the body matters together. My faith isn't just for me. My faith is, is for you, for your benefit and for your encouragement. And your faith isn't just to benefit you. Your faith is to benefit me. And that will never happen in isolation. We need each other. You know, one of the things that, that I've learned, a lot of you know I'm an, I'm an introvert, um, and I know how to prioritize solitude. Um, the greatest, uh, one of the greatest things that happens to me is when somebody texts me in the morning and says they have to cancel plans that night. And I'm like, I'm home with nothing to do. This is amazing. Um, I know how to prioritize solitude. But what I'm constantly being made aware of, and, and Jesus practiced solitude. Like you extroverts who are like, oh, it's all things people. Like you can't go to the grocery store without taking five people with you. Like that's great. But Jesus also prioritized solitude. How many times in, in the gospels do we see it say that he got away from the crowds? Like he got alone with the Father. So solitude is important, but as introverts, uh, we tend to function as islands. Like we tend to function as silos. Kind of the, the, way, the way my mind works is I'll do my, like with our staff, and I have to fight against this. Unfortunately, we have some extroverts that help me. But I'm like, at the end of the day, do your job. I don't care when you do it. I don't care where you do it. Just get your job done. I'll get mine done. And then, you know, once a month, we'll get together and we'll celebrate. But that's not how the body is made to function. And so those of us that understand how important and we know how to prioritize solitude, we also have to understand how important community is for us. That we may think we don't need each other, but the reality is we are created in the image of a relational God and a relational God created you and I to need one another. And the body functions best when all of us are aware of that and all of us show up, not just on Sunday, but throughout the week understanding the, 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 the part we play and understanding how our giftings are used in such a way that would build others up and bring honor and glory to God. As parts of the body, as followers of Jesus, we've all been given a gift. So he kind of sets the tone. Don't think you're better than you are. Like have the right perspective. 
Don't forget you're a part of a body. That's why this isn't individualistic, right? That's why your gift is not about you because you're a part of a bigger picture. And then he says, as part of this body, you've been given gifts. In verse six, he says, in his grace, God has given us different gifts to do certain things well. So if God has given you the ability to prophesy, speak out with as much faith as God has given you. Um, let, let me say this uh, quickly. We're going to walk through seven uh, gifts. There are others in Scripture. Scripture is not exhaustive, um, but we're going to walk through seven of them quickly this morning. Um, we have a responsibility for all of them, but there may be one or two of them that we have a special gifting in. It's like, it's like uh, playing Mario Brothers and you get the mushroom, like you get that level up deal. Like some of us have that when it comes to some of these gifts, but it doesn't absolve us of the responsibility of faithfully distributing the others. Like serving, your gift may be serving. It doesn't mean that the rest of us can sit back and go, well, I just, my gift ain't serving, so someone else is going to have to do it. Like we all have a responsibility, but some of us have a special, uh, special gifting, and that becomes a stewardship conversation. So he says maybe it's prophecy. Prophecy is to speak God's truth to others. It's the ability to make the truth of God known in a way that will influence people. This can be done uh, by proclaiming God's word. This can be done like what I'm doing right now. I'm teaching and declaring what God has already spoken. But it also can be done. Some of you have a gift where you, you have the ability to see danger in someone else's life and you, and you just have the sense like, I just need to warn them about the path that they're on. I need to warn them about where they're heading. Or maybe even just a word of encouragement to someone that, man, you, you, know, you just sense the spirit say to you like, I need to tell them this. Like I can remember back when I was in college, um, College for me was a very discouraging season of my life. And like, I knew what I wanted to do, but I'm like, we're never, I'm never gonna get done with these, you know, four years of seminary. And, um, and along the way, there were people who would just speak things to me. And I look back and I realized like, man, those were prophetic words. Like they, they, they weren't just saying things to make me feel better in the moment. Those were things they believe God showed them. And then years later, I've been able to watch and see those things fulfilled. So maybe that's your gifting. Like you have the ability to, to say things to encourage or to, or to warn people. He says, uh, he says um, verse 7, if your gift is serving, uh, uh, serving others, serve them well. Uh, serving, this is practical service. People with this gift are just, they're just good at practical things. People with the gift of serving are the people who show up at the party and see like three or four things to do, and they just jump in and start doing stuff. Probably the most frustrating people at a party are the people who show up and ask, what can I do? And there's like 47 obvious things to do. And you're like, just pick one. But the people who are gifted to serve they're just in tune with that, and they just jump in, and they're like, we, we want to be involved. We want to be invested. Like, how can I help? And some of you are gifted in, in that way. One of our values at Generation is we say that serving is our privilege. And I watch as we have some truly amazing people here at Generation who live that out. And not just one hour a week. Like, we see them in the one-hour-a-week context, like in the parking lot, if it's a million degrees outside or if it's raining. Like, I'll watch our parking lot guys on days where it's raining running back and forth to the door with umbrellas to make sure that you get to your car dry. Like, and you just watch the, the, their, their heart for that. They just care about it. Or the safety guys or, uh, or the, the kids workers who you may never see, but they are actively involved in, in serving and, and, and building others up. And then you watch them, follow them throughout the rest of their life. Like you see this lived out. You know, one of the things I think the, the church has done a poor job of is when anytime we've taught on spiritual gifts, we always talk about it in the context of how you can utilize it here at Generation for one hour a week. That makes God seem really small to me. 
Like that he would give you a gift that he wants you to use to build others up and then tell you, oh, by the way, you can only use it from 10.30 to 11.30 on a Sunday morning. And if you're only scheduled twice a month, well, you can only use that thing, you know, two hours a month. But yet there's six days and 23 hours in the rest of the week. Don't you think God would give us gifts that could be used with every moment of our day, every day of the week, every week of the month, every month of the year? Like, don't you think God would want us to do that? And so as you talk about giftings, as you think about, as you think about giftings, like don't just limit it to here. I watch these people who have the gift of, of serving. I was recently driving home, and there's a lady in our, uh, in our neighborhood who has cancer, and there were a group of guys out power washing her house. And as I'm driving by, all of a sudden, out of the corner of my eye, I catch one of the guys that comes to Generation that's on our parking team. And I'm like, oh my goodness, like I, I know who that is. And you look at it and you watch that stuff happen and he's not putting a check in the box. Like he's not emailing me to say, hey, just so you know, I served somebody this week. It's just a part of who he is. It's, it's a part of how he lives his life. And he's saying yes to opportunities. And when you see that lived out, like it's just a beautiful thing. And so if your gift is serving, serve well. If your gift is teaching, teaching is to make truth clear and understandable. Some of you are blessed with an ability to make complex things simple and understandable. Like some tech guys who can make things like IP addresses and programming make sense. Or people with the, this gift tend to have a passion to help people understand. And your space may vary. Like, like you may think, man, I would never want to teach in a setting like this. That's okay. But maybe the space for you is one-on-one. -on -one. Some of the best teachers I've ever been around are incredible in a one-on-one -on -one setting. And, you know, maybe they're, maybe they're decent in a public setting. But you can tell where they're really gifted is in that one-on-one -on -one coaching, mentoring type setting, or maybe it's a small group, like a classroom with children, with students, whatever it is. But if your gift is teaching, teach well. If your gift is to encourage others, be encouraging. The Greek word for encourage means to come alongside. Like we don't need people in our life who are dragging us uh, forward or dragging or, or holding us back. Who in your life is walking alongside you? Who are you walking alongside? Who's supporting you? Who are we supporting, inspiring, cheering on in their pursuit of Jesus? He says giving. Maybe your gift is giving. We're all stewards of what God's given us, even our money. We're all expected to live generous lives. Gratitude for the gospel will produce generosity in every area of our life. But some of us have an uncommon gift when it comes to generosity. And I'm not talking about dollar amount. Like some of the poorest people I've ever known are also some of the most generous people I've ever known. That they just simply want to meet needs. And even if they can't do anything uh, even they can't send, you know, some kid to college, but they could buy somebody a lunch. Like, that's what they want to do. And so some of you are, are gifted in that way. And then he says leadership. Like, this means you have a knack for getting people to follow you. You cast a vision and people just seem to be drawn into it. He says, or maybe it's kindness. A better word there would probably be the word mercy. Uh, this is an unusual love or care for the least of these. Uh, think about how your, your heart beats. Like some of you, your heart beats for the poor, the elderly, the sick, maybe for addicts, maybe for the abused, the oppressed, whatever it is, Look, thinking about just the landscape of our country right now, maybe even race, maybe race is the thing that your heart beats for. And God is doing something, there's an ability, there's a gifting that he's put into your life for you to be able to invest in that. And God's given you a special gift and calling uh, to use it, and Paul says to do it. And, and, and I know when we, when we talk about stuff like this, these are topics we don't talk about often, but we've always said we're going to roll through the book that we're rolling through. We're not going to skip stuff. 
And so this becomes one of those topics where you, where you're, you might be scratching your head going, like, I'd like to figure this out, but how? Like, how do I know where, where I'm gifted? Okay, I have at least one ability by the Spirit to build others up and to glorify God, but how do I know what that is? And I want to give you two things that I think are really practical and hopefully will be really helpful. Uh, number one is, is start searching. Like, ask questions. Ask other people. Google. Like, like do, do some of your own research. Ask the Spirit. James says, if we lack wisdom, ask the Spirit and our generous God will, or ask God and our generous God will give it to us. But ask questions. Study the passages in Scripture that talk about this. There's Romans 12, 1 Corinthians 12 is another passage. Ephesians 4 and 1 Peter 4 talks about it a little bit. Uh, take a spiritual gift inventory. You can, you can get those pretty much anywhere online. I'm not a huge fan of those. I'm not saying they're bad, but I think they're, they're limited because oftentimes they're done in such a way of trying to figure out where you're best gifted to serve on Sunday morning. The reality is I want you to serve on Sunday morning, but I don't want you to serve here if it means you don't serve the rest of the week. So sometimes they, they can be a little bit limiting, but they can be helpful. Uh, but, I, but I wanna uh, give you something that I think can be uh, a little bit more helpful as you think through searching. You guys know what a Venn diagram is? So like you take a couple of circles and you bring them together and where they, they merge. So like, I'll give you an example. Um, um, I just had it, it was good. It was, it was really good. Oh, bartenders. I saw somebody in here and immediately was like, bartender. Uh, Bartenders and anti-vaxxers, where they meet, is we're not giving shots to babies. Uh, some of you still don't get that. Um, <clears throat> but that's what a Venn diagram is. It's, it's bringing things, uh, things to, together, uh, using circles with commonalities and differences between things or, uh, or groups of things. But this is one that we've got here that it originally was inspired by the book Good to Great. There's been a handful of churches that have used it. Summit Church here in Raleigh is the most recent one. Uh, I saw, uh, but since we're not totally certain who gets a credit for it, I'll take it. Um, but but think, think in terms of this. Where does your ability, your affinity, and affirmation meet? Like, that, there's likely God's doing something there. That's, that's likely where, uh, where gifting could be happening. But think about it. What are you good at? What are the things you look back at your life and you know you've done well? What are things that maybe come easy to you? that don't seem to come easy to others. Just think practically, like, what, what am I good at? And then what affinity, what am I drawn to? Some of you are drawn to hospitality. You're eager to open your home, and you enjoy entertaining others. And maybe that's, maybe that's something that, that God is, is working in. What are you drawn to? What, are you constantly, what needs are you constantly aware of? This is where sometimes things from our past can inspire us. Like maybe you've walked through uh, abuse or sickness, maybe you battled cancer, and because you know what that journey's like, there's just something in you that you're drawn to, to say, man, I want to help people that are walking through what I've walked through. Like in Corinthians, it talks about how we're not comforted in our struggles, struggles to be comfortable. We're comforted so that eventually we can be comforters, that we can take what we've experienced and use it in the lives of others. So where do ability, affinity, and then where does does affirmation meet? And this is important because this is where God is able to confirm using our strengths through the lives and the voices of others. And this is where it's really important that you get people who tell you the truth. Um, we all are surrounded by people who tell us what we want to hear, but do you have a group of people that you trust to tell you what you need to hear? Uh, I always think back to when American Idol first came out. 
like now everybody's trying to get on TV. It doesn't matter how bad you sing, wear some crazy costume just to get your 15 seconds of fame. <clears throat> but if you remember back in the early days, they all thought they were good singers. And you'd watch them go in and you'd watch them sing and you're like, oh my gosh, like I can't even imagine. Like could Simon Cowell say something even worse than he said to this point and he never disappointed. But you knew it was coming. And they would get emotional, they would cry and they'd be like, well, my mom told me I was a good singer and my friends and my family. And you're watching and you're going, like, like, who in your life was telling you that you're not good at this? Like, you could have saved yourself a lot of heartache if you'd have surrounded yourself with the right people or listened to the right voices that would have kept you from embarrassing yourself on national TV. And so get people that are going to tell you the truth. There may be things that you and I think we're good at that other people say, uh, you may like doing that, but you're not very good at it. Like, you may be drawn to that, but you really don't have any business over there. And having those right people in our lives can really help bring this, this all into focus. As you ask the question, like, what am I good at? What am I drawn to? And then what do other people around me uh, affirm or confirm? Uh, I think a good exercise here, this is something I've done a handful of times in some leadership groups I've been a part of. But I would, I would encourage you to target three to four people who know you in different walks of life. Don't pick the, same, the people who know you all in the same, uh, from church or work, three or four different people from different walks of life and ask them to list three things that you do well. What you'll find is even in different contexts, people will often see the same things. Like there'll be people here who go, man, you are wired to serve. But then you'll ask somebody from work and they're like, man, every time we have a work function, you're the first person that volunteers to, to clean up and uh, you know, kind of put the room back together, and they recognize that you have a gift of serving. And so getting people from different walks will, will, uh, will help significantly. So where your ability, affinity, and affirmation meet, there's a pretty good chance that God is, is doing something there. There could be gifting there. And then the second thing is, so start searching. Second thing is start serving. The best way to find your gift is to just start serving Jesus. Start saying yes to what is visible and apparent, and apparent right in front of you. A lot of us are waiting for God to divinely reveal it to us, but gifting is far more practical than it is informational. Uh, just get on the field and start doing something. When we, were, when we lived in uh, Canada several years ago, uh, we had some group of friends, some teachers invited Jen and I to, to join an Ultimate Frisbee League with them. And so I didn't know much about Ultimate Frisbee, but they said it was like football with a Frisbee, and so I'm like, you had me at football. And so showed up, and first day I get there, they're like, all right, where do you play? Uh, what position do you play? And I was like, on the field? Uh, like, I throw the disc, I catch the disc. Like, like I don't know. What is, are there, and there were actual positions. So they're like, okay, well, you go over here and you just kind of do this. And they had me play like in the middle of the field, which is where you put the people who are really bad because they can't really do much. They can't hurt or help. So they kind of put me in the middle of the field. And then over time, it became clear that I was gifted to do what I would call like basically the, the equivalent of a border collie. Like you ever watch them catch Frisbees? They could throw the Frisbee as far as they could and they knew Jarrett will run down there and catch it. And so, and the position was called the cup. And so eventually it got to where every time I showed up, it was no longer, Jarrett, where do you play? It was, Jarrett, you're going to play this position over here. I knew it and they knew it, but I didn't know it and they didn't know it until I got on the field, until I started doing something. And the biggest thing I would encourage you with when it comes to gifting is you just got to start doing something. There may be some things that you initially start doing, you go, I don't think that's it. 
There may be others around you that go, I don't think that's it. But that's okay. Like, think about trying to steer a boat. Would you ever try to steer the boat when it's still? No, you steer the boat when it's moving, and God is the same way. God is moving, steering ships. Have you ever noticed it seems like God seems to be giving guidance and direction to people who are actively doing something? Like, we're sitting around waiting for God to show up, and it seems like God is showing up in the lives of people who are doing something. They may be making mistakes, but God is steering that, that moving ship. And so that's what I would encourage you to do. Like, the, 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 the two things that you can do as you try to sort through this, listen, this has been a 30-minute conversation we literally could do seminars on this subject, so I'm trying to like barely scratch the surface. But the most important things you and I can do is start searching, start asking, and then start serving. Just start doing something and then allow God to reveal over time what it is that he's gifted us for. And then as he reveals what he's gifted us for, we just simply are obedient and start, uh, and start utilizing that. Remember to build others up and thereby glorify God. Would you bow your heads and pray with me? Father, um, I thank you that you have gifted us. This uh, mission that you've given us is, is uh, far more complicated than we probably uh, understand or know. There's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of work involved, a lot of, uh, at times, pressure but you've given us everything we need. You've given us every, everything we need. We're everything um, that we need in Christ. And so this morning, I just want to pray over this room, over this local expression of the body. God, there are probably some of us in here who are already in tune with our gifting. Maybe we're aware of it and we haven't been using it. And so the conversation today it's really just about repenting of that, changing our minds and beginning to use it to build others up, to glorify you. And I think there's probably a large portion of the room that is still in the, I have no idea what to do with this category. And that's okay. It's a process, Father. And we know that you're walking with us through it. So I pray today that you would speak that you would show us what you want us to see. God, that we would identify where you've gifted us and we would use it to build others up and in that way, bring honor and glory to you. And I pray this in Jesus' name, amen.